Hi, welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where relationships are the mission and we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. My name is Dusty Wallace, Worship and Creative Arts Director here at Quest, and I just want to tell you, you picked a great message to listen to today. On November 1st, 2015, we began celebrating the launch of Quest's new Thrive Counseling and Coaching Center. Along with it, we began a new four-week series also titled Thrive with panel discussions from members of our pastoral and counseling teams. Each message and discussion reaches into real-life issues and counters them with real-life counseling expertise and God's good plan for each of us. For more information about Thrive Counseling and Coaching Center, visit thrivecounselingandcoaching.com. There you will find everything you need to know about our counselors, services, donation opportunities, and our sponsors, Main Street Dental New Albany and Dr. James T. Hutta, DDS. As always, you can find out more about Quest, who we are, what we do, and opportunities to give and serve at gotoquest.org. Now, let's dive into this week's message. I've been really excited, looking forward to this day. It's been a lot of work, and a lot of people have done a lot of work getting to this day, but we're celebrating today the grand opening of the Thrive Counseling and Coaching Center. It's been a dream in process for years and a lot of intensive work over the last couple of years. And let me just start off this way by introducing to you uh, some of the counselors that are here. One of them could not make it. We have uh, Wendy who's one of the counselors. We have Meredith uh, Murphy and Natalie Andrews and uh, Tony uh, Amagi Douglas. Coming up, we also have Carol McClure, who cannot be here. And each one of these counselors is professionally trained at the master's degree level and also have either current certification or past certification at a professional level as well. And so you can trust their quality of practice in that. Um, There's a couple other things I want to say, too, about this. Uh, This would have never happened, uh, but uh, for a story that kind of emerged into something. About four years ago, my son and uh, Andrew Jakes, Jared and Andrew Jakes, started playing together soccer on the same team uh, for the past four years. And their team is trained here in the winter in the gym and trained on the fields outdoor during the year. And we got to know his dad, Jeff Jakes. And uh, about uh, six months ago, Jeff came to me and said, We'd like to do something for Quest. We don't go there, but we'd like to do something for Quest. Could you give us a list of things that you need? And so we sent him like a, I think that was like a six-page list after the staff got done putting together. And we tried to cover everything possible that they could ever be interested in, from sports to kids to adults to facilities to counseling, and come to find out the Jakes family has a beautiful story of the power of counseling in their life, and he attached to that so much that without me even realizing it, he went out and recruited one of his best friends, Dr. Jim Hutta of Hutta Orthodontics, to go in with him in donating, and they came back to us and said, we will cover the entire cost of the build-out of your offices and the furnishing of your offices, and completely surprised us. So we just want to give them thanks and honor them today. They originally, uh, Jeff Jakes originally RFSP, he said he was going to be here, but he uh, 
uh, he emailed me on Friday saying, I'm sorry, I'm also part of this, um, this fashion show <laughs> fundraiser. And so he's one of the models. And he got called this last week and said the fitting is on Sunday morning and the practice is on Sunday morning for the show coming up. So I'm sorry I can't be there, but he wanted to be here as well this morning. I also want to just bring your attention to the fact that if you want to refer people to this or if you want to get help yourself through this, uh, one of the reasons we're doing this is because we believe that by uh, having facilities already here that we can cover a lot of the overhead costs and so our counseling rates uh, start much less than most counseling rates. They start in the $60 range, give or take a little bit, depending on the session and depending on what's going on. So that will be prorated sometimes higher if the session is longer or things are going on like that. We also have uh, Quest Care, which many of you know is available and many of you give to each week because Quest Care is the ministry that we help those in need among us and we help those in need who are your friends who are not part of a church. So I want to encourage you to pray for your friends who are not part of a church because now you have another way of meeting that we can not just paying bills and helping them with food when life is difficult or medical bills or things like that, but now you can also refer them to counseling. And if they can't afford it, there can be a Quest Carler scholarship in addition to the reduced rate. And there's really no reason why anybody cannot get help right now uh, through this. And we wanted to provide that opportunity for you and your friends who are unchurched especially to be able to have that uh, service available to them. Mm, great. Well, I'm just so grateful, too. It's, it has been a long time in coming. I'm so grateful for this team that we have that have just helped birth it and come, make it to come to happen. I want to do a few shout-out thank yous to Greg Snowden and Tom Kingery, who made a garage look awesome. And, yeah, and Bob Rice, who did all the painting inside and out of the building. Samantha Drenick, who helped with her company, gives a really great deal on all the furnishings. And with the color choices, and her husband, Jared, who helped pick up the, the furniture, and Christine Cohen, she did a phenomenal job on the website. So if you please go just to see Christine's work and just all the details that she did in making that happen. And Naomi and Dusty um, put their efforts in that as well. Kristen Jensen, she did the, the logo. She does all sorts of stuff with graphics, made signage, and all sorts of things. She's amazing. Um, and Terry Jeffries, I would love to give a big thank you. for. Her. She's the one that helped with the DBA, insurance ideas, legal stuff. It was just, I, I had no idea. Even though I've done this before in the 80s, this was more challenging this time around, <laughs> for sure. Um, and so Terry Jeffries has really been a post for us. And, and Ross, thank you so much. You have um, seen holes that I didn't know were there, and you just filled them. Like blowing leaves. I thank you for those things. <laughs> anyway, it's just wonderful thing. So I'm just so grateful. And I'm so grateful to be here at Quest with you guys because you're part of a community who believes that we want to live our faith in very practical ways. And the Thriving Counseling and Coaching Center is just one of those ways. It's just one aspect of how we want to live um, in a way that, that just is really going to help our, not only our own selves, but our community. And, you know, recently I listened to a, this, there was a college student at a, forum on the Christian faith who was at UCLA, and he asked a question that I think addresses a question that we need to ask ourselves. If the transformative power of Jesus Christ is so great, and um, it's the only way to live an abundant life and to never thirst again, um, how come we do not see more Christians living this transformed, abundant, spirit-filled life? That's a really good question. If you would like to give me a name, a list of names and addresses of all the hypocrites you know, <laughs> I um, will be happy to go and pay some visits. 
I, I think your question is a very fair one. I think, as a matter of fact, I think it's more than fair. I tell you, that question really challenges me. I mean, it hits me home. What is that transformative, the transformative, abundant spiritual life? Where do we have that disconnect sometimes as Christians? Um, so what the question I would like for you to ask yourselves is how would you assess yourself in living this transformed, abundant, spirit-filled life? Am I living the kind of life that the Bible talks about and what I believe that God desires for me to live? What would those people around you, what would your kids, your friends say about how you live your life? I mean, that question also leads to another question. Like, what really does an abundant, transformative, spirit-filled life look like? Um, if someone in your family was to ask you or somebody at your work, how would you describe an abundant life and you only had eight words, what would you say? When we were trying to figure out the purpose for a counseling center, that was our goal. What do we believe is the life God wants us to live, and how can we help being a part of bringing that to our, to our life, to our community, not only within Quest, but with, for our whole community? And that's how we came up with the name of Thrive. And it was, it was birthed out of that Jeremiah 29, 7 passage where it says that God asked us to seek for the peace and prosperity of our community. How can we help not only our church, but everyone who wants help in our community in New Albany, Westerville, Gahanna, Johnstown, etc.? How do we help them experience more emotional and healthy well-being? And the underlying belief that we have is that to be spiritually healthy requires us to be emotionally healthy. We can't have one without the other. And as we tried to be more specific in what we thought abundant life looked like, we definitely knew that we did not want to encourage a belief that the abundant life focused just on being happy or that the goal in life was to expect that everything was just always going to be rosy or easy. Because that kind of thinking sets us up. It sets our kids up for a lot of problems. The Bible is very clear that when we're on this earth, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be problems. And for sure, some of those problems we needlessly create our own on our, by our own selves. But life has challenges. So what does Jesus' invitation to live an abundant life look like here on earth? And there definitely could be more words that we could add. But we had a circle where we believe this is what abundant and thriving life looks like. And it begins with hope. We all need hope, and we know that we have hope because Jesus, and it's essential for us to learn how to grow more and more anchored in him to experience abundance. The third thing we would put on there is resilience. And resilience refers to, like, how do we withstand stress and adversity when life's challenges come up? How well are we able to bounce back when we have setbacks, maybe personally or in our work? How well do we bounce back? Abundant life, then, fourth, has, has us connected in healthy relationships with others. We cannot thrive in isolation. And the last one would be, how teachable are we? Which is part of being humble, right? We seek help. We're open to feedback. And questions that we could ask ourselves, do I not just let people speak to me, but do I actively ask others to speak into my life? Do I ask for others to help me learn from my mistakes? Or do I try to do things on my own? Do I remain self-sufficient in trying to deal with life's struggles? So our focus for today's message is just a reminder that we all need to own the process of thriving mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And each of one of us can always be encouraged to reassess how are we doing at living out that question that that young man asked and had not experienced the disconnect that we can have in having that transformative, abundant life. I love the scripture that Jesus says in John 10, 10. He says, I came so that you could have life and life to the full. Living a life that's worthy of Jesus' invitation requires us to be self.
self-aware. Being aware of our behavior, our motivations, our thoughts, and our feelings. And this call to self-awareness, it's seen throughout the scriptures. Um, For example, in Romans 7, we have Paul talk about this struggle within each of us. And I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I declare, decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in this delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps, and I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. And I don't know, but that struggle is known by all of us because we all need to be self-aware on how we're going to navigate these issues of life. And that's what mental health is all about because mental health just deals with how we think, we feel, we act. How do we handle stress? How do we relate to others? How do we make choices? Mental health is important at every age of our lives from beginning to end. And I'm going to share some current stats that reveal some pressing needs within our own culture, but it needs to be clear that none of us need a mental health diagnosis to be intentional for our own mental health and our well-being. But with that said, the World Health Organization in 2014 conducted the largest survey ever on mental health done. It included thousands of participants. And their results were very consistent with other findings. But the study revealed that 26.4% of us will experience mental health problems in any given year. That means that one out of four of us adults, 61.5 million Americans, are experiencing mental distress right now. Which also means that if you think the three people next to you are doing pretty good, that means you're probably that one, right? Yeah, so anyway. so But the stats revealed that one out of five of our youth ages 13 to 18 experience severe mental illness. And the estimate is about 15% of those from 8 to 13 do as well. And of that 60% of the adults and 50% of the youth 13 to 18 that were given a mental health diagnosis, 60 and 50% of them did not receive any kind of mental health services at all this last year. And these stats are not impersonal. I mean, these are you, they're your family, they're your friends, they're your coworkers, most probably your bosses. Um, And as a church, we want to be a part of addressing and challenging those stats. We want to offer, you know, high-quality professional services where people can get affordable mental health care. We want to help people to know all the wonderful resources that are already within our community. And, but even more than that, we want to be a church that is more intentional in making the, the, the church a safe place where we can talk about mental health issues and not to experience shame. That we can have relationships with one another and conversations and learning experiences where we walk together a more thriving and abundant life. And in order to have that more thriving, abundant life, we're going to have to strongly embrace the belief that thriving in life is not always feeling peaceful or joyful or never having to experience negative thoughts or feelings. Thriving is, is facing the difficult emotions and thoughts that we have and living life well regardless of what's going on in our, in our lives. All of us have to, have to tend to mental health. Just like we have to tend to our physical health, We all have physical issues, and every one of us has mental health issues. So let's be more intentional and gracious in dealing with them. I think a lot of us tend to avoid painful feelings, and I have to admit I'm an avoider. You know, I I have the tendency to get in close friendships and relationships with my small group or 
just friends, and you know, I feel really comfortable, and then I'll, I'll share something that maybe was really personal or emotional, and then I want to kind of panic, like I've exposed too much of myself, and I can't take it back, so my reaction is to pull away from that relationship. You know, even though I desire close relationships, sometimes it's just easier just to go back to a surface-level relationship, and I call those relationships, hi, how you doing, friends? And we all have those relationships. You see them at work every day or at church every Sunday. And you've probably even known them for years. But the entire relationship consists of, hi, how you doing? Great. Good. Okay, thanks. Have a great week. And that's it. It never goes any deeper. And, you know, even though those relationships can feel easier sometimes, those aren't the relationships that bring growth or healing Um, I love the saying, friendships come and go like waves of the sea, but the true ones stay like an octopus on your face. (laughs) And, I mean, those are the kind of relationships that are meaningful. You know, during first service, Rachel Pargin, a lot of you know the Pargin family, but Rachel was right up front here, and Rachel and I met when we were 12, and... I mean, we met in junior high, and we were together, good, bad, and ugly, and it doesn't get any uglier and awkward than junior high, <laughs> so we've been able to, you know, go through high school and college together, and now we're raising our kids together and coming to church together, but those are the type of relationships that have an impact on your life and just bring a lot of growth and meaning. Good morning, Quest. <clears throat> Excuse me. My name's Tony, um, and... I'm going to let you in on a little secret to move us past the hi, how you doing relationship. A little secret about my life so that we can feel a little more connected. That secret is I am not Caucasian. (laughs) (laughs) To take it even deeper, I'll let you in on an even deeper secret, one that's not, not as obvious. I am not black. I'm biracial. My father is, was born in uh, Onisha, Nigeria. He came to the United States as a college student and met my lovely mother who's back here and married her who is Caucasian. For me, uh, growing up, that caused a lot of pain and, and, and one of the things that when, when we're talking about Thrive, one of the things that we, we want to work on with people is dealing with judgment. And for me in my life, growing up as a, as a, as a kid, uh, I grew up in a, in, a, in a predominantly Caucasian community, uh, and I had very little interaction with African Americans until I became, got into high school. And so that whole, through that whole process, there was a lot of judgment that I, that I was taking from the community, because of the color of my skin and what, what people thought that meant about me. And then there was also a lot of judgment that I was taking to myself. I was saying, you know, they, they say this about me. Should I be this way? Should I talk different? Should I walk different? Should I act different? Um, but, the, but the awesome thing that God did for me um, when I got into college, I got into a good group of Christian friends, African-American and Caucasian that helped me embrace the fact that I don't have to, I don't have to be one or the other. Um, and ultimately, came, I came to the point where it, it didn't matter because my true identity is a child of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so uh, when I embraced that, um, I was okay with being a biracial child of Christ. Because ultimately, at the end of, end of the day, I'm a child of Christ. Thank you. Yeah, so it's true. You know, we all go through painful emotions. We go through difficult situations. And the and we all cope differently through those times. And the funny thing about the way that we do cope through that is that even if it's an unhealthy pattern, unhealthy thought, or unhealthy behavior, it works, right? It works for a while. and Because otherwise we wouldn't be doing it. And, you know, it's that pattern is sometimes hard to change because it is reinforced by short-term positive rewards. And in my life, you know, I was always reinforced by pleasing others and making others happy by my performance. You know, I did well in school and I did well at work. I did well in athletics and um, it made me an easy child. And um, and I, I loved that my parents were so proud of me for that. And, and it made me, you know, an easy student and an easy employee. You know, I loved making my boss look good. I loved everything, you know, in order. And um, I loved making people feel proud. And I would try hard and, and harder and harder and harder to keep up that you know, response. And while, you know, some of those things aren't bad in themselves, you know, my motivation behind it was unhealthy because my motivation was, you know, the praise of others. My identity was formed in how people thought of me. And, you know, for a while, though, it all worked. You know, I kept doing it. And eventually, though, it just becomes exhausting. You know, you get tired of trying so hard. Sometimes, um, you know, you don't get the appreciation after trying and, and perfecting all the details and things. And, and sometimes you do, and it's just not rewarding anymore. And, you know, what I've learned about, you know, perfectionism is that it's really a way to cope with just how imperfect we feel. You know, it is um, a way to avoid those feelings um, of feeling insecure. And for me, it definitely was a way to avoid showing my realness, you know, to show that I make mistakes and that I am imperfect. And fortunately, or, you know, unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, is that our unhealthy behaviors and ways of thinking are often pretty clear to others around us, even when we think that we are hiding or masking them ourselves. And I've been blessed to have people in my life hold me accountable when I have got on to a, you know, a not helpful way of thinking or, or acting. You know, I've had people tell me in very loving and truthful ways that I'm doing things for the wrong reasons. You know, that as perfect as I am and getting the details right and having this great outcome, you know, I'm missing the big p- picture. You know, I'm missing things like love and patience and grace for myself. And the fact that God's in control, that I don't have to be in charge of every detail um, for it to work out okay, you know, that it, I wasn't in control. And to also, you know, just, just learn to take risks, you know, learn to um, be present, you know, and um, be there for, you know, what God wants me to do, um, but, but be willing to, you know, personally take a risk. And, you know, I... 
I've been fortunate that others have been able to help me see that, and I still need others to help me, um, you know, check in with me here and there when I need it as well. Um, you know, and I've also had to start with really just accepting the, you know, the fact that I might fail or that I might disappoint somebody. Um, and, you know, I still believe in, in doing my best with the gifts that God gave me, but I also realize that, you know, he made me an imperfect person. He, you know, knows who I am. He loves me anyways. And I just need to do, you know, my best. And, um, and so when I find myself kind of getting off track, you know, I, I, I refocus my intent. Um, you know, something that even just happened today as, as they were miking us up. Um, they said that, you know, we'll be mute to the congregation, but that the sound booth or Dusty might be able to hear us. And immediately I wanted to not sing because I have a really bad voice. <laughs> and and I, I was like, should I take it off? Should I unplug it? What should I do? Should I cover it? And I had to rethink and think, okay, I'm not here to sound good to the professionals who know how to sing, you know, or the sound booth. You know, I'm here to praise God and worship God, and, and that should be my goal. So I practice a lot, and, um, and that's just how I'm trying to, you know, live more intentionally and, um, you know, just, just grow and thrive myself. She actually said when we were talking about this, uh, sorry, I didn't say this first service. She actually said, you know, my struggle with perfectionism is I tried to be perfectly not perfect. <laughs> I just tried to be more perfect at not being perfect. <laughs> we, you've heard several stories. Let me tell you one more, and then I'm going to ask you a question that I really want you to think about, and those is really the focus today. All of us go through these high output seasons of our life or times of our life. Maybe it's a busy season. Maybe it's just a busy day. Or maybe it's just the fact that uh, many of you are dedicating kids today to the Lord. And the fact of the matter is you are in a very, very busy, tiring, lack of sleep time period of your life. And the reality is for most of us, when we experience those times, there's this natural varying level of depression that we will feel. It's very natural, Right. I've experienced, I've told you before, I had a really uh, severe bout with depression for four years, many years ago. And since then, I've had several mild, shorter-term time periods where I've dealt with it. And as, as, as I get a longer history, which is code for I'm getting old, <laughs> I'm a little better at assessing when my tank, my emotional and physical tank is getting low and I, that's beginning to set in and I get to start to catch that depression coming on sooner. In May of this year, I, I, I sensed my tank getting low, and I sensed that uh, depression beginning to come on again. And I responded like I, I normally do in that time. I ran more. I slept more, more regularly. I managed my schedule better. I ate better. I, I protected my personal time a little better and my personal devotional time a little bit better. But I, for some reason this time around, I wasn't getting the same bounce back I normally get. You know, normally I just do that in a week or so, I'm feeling great, and it's all, all good, and I just try to keep the habits up until I let them down again. Well, we come to August, and uh, my family and I, right before we took our kids to college, went to see our favorite comedian, Tim Hawkins. And the whole night, we're sitting there, and, 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 and I'm just kind of going, that was a really funny. He really set that joke up really well. <laughs> and that, that was about the level of my response, and I started going... Man, I, I guess I'm really dealing with this kind of disconnected 
numb, kind of mild, low-grade depression, Wendy and I started talking about it more explicitly, and I started asking questions. Is this, is this biological, something related to getting older? Uh, is this just uh, what am I coping well, not coping well with? And, and we weren't seeming to get answers, so I, I, I sought help from someone who they spend their entire life studying this stuff and their entire life focused on helping people do this. I, I spent time with a counselor. I'm actually still seeing that counselor. And I've been discovering another layer of growth that I need to take because I'm a, I'm a, a pretty strong introvert in a job that requires many extroverted activities. And I've just discovered that I need to figure out another better layer in my own life of taking care of who I am. Now, we've all told some stories about ourselves, except for Wendy. She got out today. I don't know how she got out of telling a personal story today, but she'll I'll tell you. Three, week three. She gets week three. She gets week three. But I want to invite all of us to one question this morning, specifically thinking about you now. How do you look at and how do you interpret negative emotions and negative thoughts you struggle with on a regular basis? What meaning do you give them to yourself? You know, when we talk about emotions in particular, we think about happy and joyful and peaceful, and we go, well, that's good, that's right, that's godly, that's kind of the definition of what abundant life is, right? But when we think about the more negative emotions like anger and sadness and depression and, and, and shame and things like that, we think about those and we go, well, I must be really unhealthy. I must be weak. I must be a failure. And we kind of tend to think, I, I, I'm ashamed of these feelings and I need to hide these feelings so otherwise people will really know how weak I am. Now, certainly God desires that if we live an abundant life, we more consistently, on a more consistent basis, find ourselves living in this place of peace and joy and, and contentment. He doesn't want us stuck in anxiety and depression and anger. But to categorize those negative feelings as unhealthy, as ungodly, as in opposition to what the Bible teaches is completely wrong because the Bible teaches those emotions are also created by God and given to us as gifts. They're, they're, they're feelings that are like signposts that point to what's going on in us and around us. It's one of the, day, one of the reasons we talk in business today of emotional intelligence, isn't it? And, and let me just take an aside right now. In, in two weeks on Saturday, the 14th, we're going to actually, Natalie and Meredith are actually going to be doing a, a, a leading, a facilitating a seminar called Emotion Coaching. It's for you parents uh, to go to and learn. And if you're even a parent of older kids out of the house, this is going to be good for you. How, do you. how do we as parents relate to our kids in a way that builds really healthy emotional intelligence? It's really, really well done material. It's just going to be a, a short one-time investment on a Saturday morning. And you can sign up either online at thrivecounselingandcoaching.com or, or you can sign up. Actually, I found out between services, we also have a sign up in the lobby. So you could sign up and be a part of that in a week and a half from now. But but, but let's think about this more, emotions, these signs that we have for us. I mean, we love the signs of fun and delight that come along. But those negative ones that we feel or we categorize as negative are really warnings and, and, and instructional signs to us about life's journey that we need to understand this situation. We need to figure out what's going on in the moment. 
You see, if we don't learn to pay attention and reinterpret what those negative emotions are in our life into something more positive, we live our lives kind of like driving a family van at high speeds on the mountain at night with no headlights and no signs of dead, uh, 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 of sharp dead corners. It's like living our life uh, emotionally. We live our lives all too often as an accident waiting to happen because we just keep going. And we struggle with that sometimes because we see scriptures like this from God where God says to us, do not be anxious. In Philippians 4, 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything. And there's this command. But in that very command, there's also an acknowledgement that we don't always look at. There's an acknowledgement by God that that anxious feeling is there. He's acknowledging the presence of it. And it's not that he's saying to us this feeling in and of itself of anxiousness is wrong, it's unhealthy, it's a failure of strength. Rather, he's saying this is a feeling I want you to pay attention to and I want you to respond to me in regard to this feeling. Let's read the whole command that Jesus says. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See, God wants us to face all those feelings we categorize as negative. He wants us to talk about them, to examine them with others and with Him. Yet we tend to face those things of depression and anxiety or anger and we want to just avoid. We want to escape from them. So we, we, we play a game, we watch TV, we eat, we, the list could go on. There's lots of things we do. See, Wendy said already before that abundant life is not the absence of those feelings, which is how we often interpret it. It's rather how we face those feelings well. And that's actually what Romans 5 teaches us. If we look at Romans 5, it reads it this way. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now that's the background. And what it's saying to us is we live, when we're followers of Jesus, completely forgiven, completely secure. We can face anything without shame, without humiliation, without the fear of rejection. And then Paul goes on to drive home the point we're really trying to make today, and he says this. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We face challenging emotions and challenging thoughts and circumstances with a new kind of anticipation, glorying in these God-given road signs. Because, he goes on, we know that suffering produces perseverance. These warning signs aren't signs of weakness. They're signs pointing us to strength and safety if we'll pay attention to them. And perseverance brings character. See, facing these things we say are negative and we try to avoid brings understanding, brings healing, brings growth, brings character, and brings hope. And it says, it says that. It says, and character brings hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, the way to thrive is not to believe that thriving is about no problems and always joy and always peace. The way to thrive is found in facing these things, in persevering, in growth, in finding a hope that does not disappoint because it's not situationally based upon our circumstances or our hormones that day or our aging process that day. 
Thriving starts by reinterpreting these negative feelings so that they become our friends. When we sense depression or anger, those feelings become our friends instead of the enemies and the monsters that we need to avoid. They become these helpful, welcome warning signs, sharp curve ahead that we need to press into to find understanding, healing, growth, and hope. I mean, and these are ideas that even kids can relate to. There was this kids movie that came out a couple years ago, and it has a very popular song that you've heard hundreds of times if you've been around kids at all. But we're not going to play it today, but I do want you to hear some of the words and see if it sounds familiar. There's a kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the queen. Anybody know where we're going yet? Yes, all right. (laughs) Don't let them in. Don't let them see. Be the good girl you always have to be. It is really hard to read these words without singing them. (laughs) So, you can do it. Just do it. That's all right. (laughs) Conceal. Don't feel. Don't let them know. And it's just talking about hiding behind the facade of just smiling and hiding and pretending that everything's great. But if you've seen Frozen, you know that the Snow Queen Elsa, she didn't hide, did she? What happened? What did she do? Let it go. (laughs) That's right. Now, and when she let go, that is when the freedom came for her. So can we let go and be real with our feelings and our relationships and really feel the pain? Because sometimes when we allow ourselves to feel that pain, that's when God can bring freedom and healing for us. And it doesn't just bring that for ourselves. It also brings it for those in relationship with us. I mean, there might be someone in your life that needs to see you walk through something painful before they're able to get enough strength to be able to walk through that themselves. But the times in my life that I've felt the the true pain, those are the times that I've been able to throw out all the distractions and just focus solely on God and just have complete reliance and trust on Him. When you are at that point where you are just desperate for God, I mean, nothing else matters. You know, you don't care about traffic or if the cable guy was two hours late, the Starbucks line was too long. I mean, when you are truly desperate for God, I mean, that's all that matters to you. And I think at times God needs us to get to that point so that we're able to just focus completely on him. He has our attention and he can help guide us to where we're going. You know, the last two and a half years, my husband and I have been fighting our way through this adoption process. Um, We're adopting a little boy in China, and we, I mean, I've been able to feel every emotion possible, excitement, sadness, anger, joy, pain, and a lot of times all on the same day. And by feeling all those emotions, that's what's allowed me to just lay my life out and say, okay, God, you know, whatever you want to do in this situation, do it, because there's nothing that I can do on my own that is even going to come close to what you already have planned for me. And that's, you know, when I try to take control and make things happen, that's when my anxiety and frustration go up, and I feel like everything has to happen right now. But there is so much freedom and feeling, you know, despite that hurt, the joy that can come out on the other side of that is just that much better. And God's purpose for you far surpasses the pain that you might feel to to go through there and get there. So let's stop being afraid to feel, to feel sad or angry or hurt and press into the feelings that we usually want to flee from because that's when God can bring healing. Galatians 6, 2 says, carry each other's burdens. How are we going to carry each other's burdens if we don't know what they are? We're hiding them from each other and acting like everything's perfect. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 
Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So here I just think, you know, we really need to be about the real meaningful relationships and allowing ourselves to feel those painful feelings. And that's what can lead us to a thriving, abundant life. It's not a perfect life. It's not always a happy life. But it's a life that's following after God no matter what our circumstance. And it, that happens in relationship together. Because, you know, like we've been saying throughout this message, we, we can't thrive in isolation. God desires us to live these lives that are resilient, to have the strength to face every situation we face well, not perfectly, well. And he wants us our lives to be full of hope. He doesn't want us to be stuck in avoiding or stuck in this place of not learning or not growing. But the problem is, even if we reinterpret negative feelings and negative thoughts as our friends, as gifts from God and press into them, it requires each one of us to be reasonably self-aware. I realize some of you are much more emotive and much more aware of your feelings, and some of you have a hard time labeling them, but it requires, if we're going to be healthy, for us to become more self-aware. It requires us to grow in our emotional intelligence. Yet all too often, we live uh, emotionally like this famous clip from King Arthur and the Black Knight. Enjoy. You have proved yourself worthy. Will you join me? You make me sad. So be it. Come, Patsy. None shall pass. What? None shall pass. I have no quarrel with you, good Sir Knight, but I must cross this bridge. Then you shall die. I command you, as King of the Britons, to stand aside. I move for no man. So be it. Now stand aside, worthy adversary. Tis but a scratch. A scratch? Your arm's off. No, it isn't. Well, what's that, then? I've heard worse. You liar. Come on, you pansy. <laughs> Victory is mine. We thank thee, Lord, that in thy mercy... <laughs> Come on, then. What? Have at you. You are indeed brave tonight, but the fight is mine. Oh, had enough, eh? Look, you stupid but <laughs> you've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look! It's just a flesh wound. Look, stop that! Chicken! Chicken! Look, I'll have your leg. Right! Oh. Right, I'll do you for that. You what? Come here! What are you going to do, bleed on me? I'm invincible! You're a loony. The Black Knight always triumphs! Have at you! Come on, then. All right. We'll call it a draw. Come, Patsy. 
Oh, oh, I see. Running away, eh? You yellow f***ing... Come back here and take what's coming to you! I'll bite your legs off! <laughs> That's a classic Monty Python, isn't it? How many times, though, do we live emotionally like the Black Knight? Seriously. We just keep going through life. We keep gutting it up. We keep avoiding. We just keep pressing on because that's what strength is because it's, it's only a flesh wound. It's only a flesh wound. The invitation today for us is to rather than live like that, rather than push away these things that we categorize as negative thoughts, negative emotions, painful things to face, that we become curious about them, these feelings and thoughts we have, that we press into them. Even though they're uncomfortable, they can be confusing, they can be ugly, they can be painful. And if we acknowledge our need of support in, 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 in even facing them, uh, we'll thrive so much better because we can't thrive in isolation. We can't do this on our own. The Black Knight was both self-sufficient and completely unaware of what was going on around him. You see, if we feel hopelessly, we ask the question, are we willing, we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to suffer? Are we willing to do the hard work? Are we willing to pace, face these painful, scary feelings, thoughts, emotions that we have? Are we willing to do the work of suffering? to find the hope, to find the healing, to find that we can actually thrive better when we face them. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that your spirit would come to us each right, right now. Because, Lord, some of us are that one. We looked at the three next to us and we realized we are that one. We are struggling right now. We're dealing with whatever it is, whether it's depression or anxiety or fear or, or whatever it is. And Lord, we've been dealing with it for a while. It hasn't seemed to have gotten better. Lord, I pray that you'd come to each one who that's a description of right now by your spirit. And that you would just bring this sense of hope that they would, that we would be able to look at these feelings differently and see them as gifts from you rather than need to avoid them. And Lord, that you would teach us to be good at pressing into them so that your spirit can speak to us, that we talk to you about them, we talk to our friends about them, that we can learn and understand the warning that's going on and understand how you want to bring healing and life to us. And Lord, would you bring us people around us who are facing these kinds of same struggles and would you help us become the safe people to them that can help them turn these feelings into warning signs that lead to growth rather than just going through life alone and burdened and avoiding. Lord, would you help us in this vision to thrive as people experiencing your abundant life and help us in this vision that you have for us to bring this to our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.